0: slash connect and fill out a very brief form there's a spot to leave contact info ask questions and even to request prayer also be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our soundcloud podcast to let us know where you're listening may the lord be with you this day grace and peace to you Well, good morning, and uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord with each of you today. It's good to see your faces, um, and I want to welcome anybody who's joining us live on Facebook Live today. Um, Or maybe if you connect with our YouTube channel and see this service later in the week, um, there's all sorts of ways for people to connect with us, and we just want to say a welcome to each one of those. Um, Today, we're continuing kind of the introduction of our new annual uh, theme or emphasis for this year. Anybody remember it from last year? Last week? Just kidding. Not last year's, but last week. Last year is gone. Anybody? Not so with you. Nice job, Mary Ellen. It was in the passage that was read earlier today from Matthew. Um, And and it should sound familiar. If you were here last week, it should sound familiar. This is the exact same passage uh, in a synoptic um, gospel, in one of the other uh, synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke sometimes look very similar to each other. And last week, I shared from Mark chapter 10, the same story is recorded in Matthew chapter 20, only there's a, there's a new twist. There's a new angle. Did anybody catch it? Who, who was present this week that wasn't present last week? Mom. Good old mom shows up, okay? The mother of James and John shows up and makes this request of Jesus. Apparently, she drags the two boys. Now, can you imagine? You're an adult. You're fully grown. And mom's like, come on, we're going to talk to Jesus. I have this idea. And you're like, on, come on. What's going on? Um, and Mom makes the the request. She says, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. If I'm the son, I prefer the Mark version, where, <laughs> where I'm just the one who steps up and makes the the silly request. Um, having Mom in the picture is an interesting twist, okay? Um, but again, the, the disciples kind of get offended by this request. This doesn't seem right. Why is she, why is she asking for the pra- place of privilege for her sons? It says in the NIV, the disciples got indignant. What a great word, right? When you see the word indignant, what comes to mind? Anybody? Uh, yeah, just like, what in the world is going on? So Jesus Jesus could tell it was time to bring the troops together. He says he called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And here it is, verse 26, not so with you. Not that they don't have authority, not that it isn't important to have leadership, but he says you're not going to lord it over them. You're not going to show off the position that you have. Instead, we're going to live differently. Now, um, these two passages refer to the same incident between Jesus and the disciples and James and John, whether their mother was there or not. We're not really sure because they reported differently, Um, but the point is consistent, that the people of God live differently. In the marketplace, when they go to school, when they hang out with their friends and family, we live different sorts of lives and we, we operate by different rules. And so that's going to be our emphasis and our theme over the course of, of this next year. Um, last week, Val and I kind of had this kind of uh, interview style or, or just teamwork style, and so Debbie get, is giving it a try this week. So props to her for being brave. Um, but we're just going to enjoy this time together um, and see where, see where this theme and this emphasis takes you in your,
1: in your journey. All right, we're just going to sit that back here and pretend it's not there. All right, so I think the emphasis of not so with you is going to be a really good exercise for us to really take a look at our transformation in Christ and rise above that or or grow a little bit more or act upon that transformation, um, even at a different level perhaps for some of us. For me, I wanted to look at someone who's kind of behind the scenes a little bit, not one you hear too much about, yeah. and yet um, has a pivotal um, marker in the kingdom of God with their character and with their heart. You know, someone who really demonstrated—not so with you, as far as what I think—but <clears throat> we're we're not all going to be perfect in this whole journey, right? We, um, but we can strive to be uh, better than what is typically the norm outside of that. So I was thinking, Trent, can you um, think of someone or some people or something at some point in your life who believed in you um, when you weren't sure you believed in yourself or when you messed up?
0: Absolutely, she prepped me for this question. So um, (laughs) I'm gonna tell you a little story about my baseball career, uh, which was really short. Um, I, I signed up to play Little League Baseball now, Little League Baseball was a lot of fun for me. Um, my best friend, Jason Wood, had his dad coach for his team, and we requested to be on Coach Wood's team. I remember this one day in practice. I, I don't know if... I'd, I knew nothing about purchasing bats, and I'm not sure my father did anywhere, either. Um, I had purchased this new bat. It was way way too heavy for me. Okay, I just could barely get the thing around. Uh, But when I connected with the ball, results happened, right? And I remember this day at practice, Coach Wood said, nobody else gets to use Trent's bat. He's the only one deciding early enough to swing or not swing at the pitch to get the bat around. So nobody else gets to use this bat, but Trent, you can go ahead and use this bat. I'll tell you, I felt like a million bucks, right? Like, I was not a good baseball player. Um, this career was destined for failure, um, but but that that belief in me, right, that, and in front of the whole team too. Um, and he he had selfish reasons; he wanted people to hit the ball. Um, but I just kind of I felt like I was part of this team. And he played me in all positions. Like, I pitched. I played the infield. Played the outfield very much enjoyed it. I went to Babe Ruth um, and got a new coach. Uh, stuck me in the outfield uh, when I played and that wasn't very often. And so I stayed one year in Babe Ruth and said, yeah, I just, okay. I, I'm not going to play anymore. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the experience that, that Little League was. But I remember that coach who believed in me, right? And And, and let me uh, do my best. I was not the greatest uh, baseball player on the little league team yeah. um, and I didn't have I didn't have the skill set to go further than, than that. But I remember very distinctly that day when the coach said, Hey, nobody else gets to use this bat because was Prince deciding early enough they can get the bat around. So anyway, it was the story of somebody who believed in me.
1: Right? Somebody who gave you that encouragement who said yep. you can do this. Yeah. You know, set yourself aside and Um, more than likely those those people that we come around that encourages us, they're usually somebody a little bit older, somebody with more experience and, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit more under their their belt, so to speak. Um, Well, I want to maybe reintroduce us to someone who goes unnoticed and certainly does not take center stage, but his presence in the early church is so vital to the health of the church I think he sets a really good example of someone, Jesus would say, not so with you. And he's someone who does not take the best, you know, does not take the lead, but he leads by example. Hmm. He's someone who leads ready to take a, a second seat for the others to, in order for them to succeed and to grow. So if you please, as you are able to stand, if you're able in the reading of the word, we're going to be in Acts. Chapter 4, starting with verse 32, we'll be reading through 36, and I'm reading from the Common English Version. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. An abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them those who owned properties or houses would sell them bring the proceeds from the sales and place them in the care and under the authority of the apostles then it was distributed to anyone who was in need joseph whom the apostles nicknamed barnabas that is one who encourages was a levite from cyprus he owned a field sold it brought the money and placed it in the care and under the authority of the apostles this is the word of God given to us, the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. to God. You may be seated. Um, Barnabas, Barnabas is a man that I think gives a really good definition to the word exhorter. Someone who inspires and encourages and gives advice and counsels and engages in others' lives just by listening and doing. Um, because, you know, as, as humans, it's so easy to hold on to what only we know or think we know and not what possibly can be or especially when it comes to people, right? Sometimes we get stuck in that mold of this is what I heard, this is what I've seen, and so this is whom that person is going to be, right? We hold grudges. We formulate past practices and experiences as the and all of of someone who that is. Um, We're not very good with second chances, are we? (laughs) But Barnabas demonstrates the grace of God without holding on to that past experience and helps shape individuals into being all God God designed them to be. But I first want to go back a little bit, um, right to that first part that we had read, about this community of believers in verse 32. This is the early beginnings of church, followers of Christ who come together, and they've been praying to God about sharing his word to all those who would hear. And it says, the community of believers was one in heart and mind. This is the church, the early church. This was in the heat of the beginnings of the church growing in large numbers, and they took care of one another, and they saw to it that the needs were met. And yet, here we have a very quick introduction. We get a first glimpse into who Barnabas is. But we don't know what sort of transformation was with Barnabas. If he was always a good-hearted person and did good even as it came to be a follower. Or if this was something others noticed in him as his transformation. But the name given to him, Barnabas, describes him as the son of consolation, a man of generosity, an exhorter, giver, an encourager. And we we by all means need encouragement, right? Especially in times and days that we're living.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to think about like the backstory of some of these characters that we mm-hmm. encounter in scripture, right? Like, yeah. was, was he an encourager prior to this moment? Because this is really, I believe, the first moment that we learn of Barnabas or that he shared uh, I don't think he appears in the Gospels and so this is kind of the first moment that we Mm -hmm. have but what was his life like before Um, and 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 was this consistent with who he had been but I really liked what you said in that like I I, I think so often we tend to and the way that I would describe is put labels on people right like that first glance we're gonna peg that person as oh that person is Kind of this way, or I put them kind of in this category of person, and then, and yet some people, uh, for me, and I'll I'll just confess, but it's really hard to allow that person to escape that label Mm -hmm. sometimes, or to or to have a different opinion than what the group would would have, and yeah, and I think Barnabas uh, is is an example of a person who, who as we come to see, is is just an encourager all the way through. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He. He's such an encourager that it's one that in- inspires me. But Because mm-hmm. it's really easy to dis- get discouraged when things are difficult, right? When we're going through current events and from our old experiences or our old stories. And some of us have stories that are really hard to leave behind. And some of us may have the days that we want to go back to eating the chocolate. Okay, I know that's a really silly example, all right? That is a no, fault of mine, right? <laughs> you know, but you you get the idea. Yeah. Some of us are just stuck and don't know what to do next. Yeah. Um, and we need someone who can keep us accountable and helps us to see when we're not living up to the righteousness of, of God or, or we're getting ready to walk back down the wrong road again or... We just need to maybe be reset. And I don't think it matters we, where we are at in our Christian walk. We can be longtime followers or brand new. We all need that, right, because mm-hmm. we're, yeah. we're not perfect people. Um, we need the encouragement. We need second chances. And people of like minds with Christ, as they are described, to come alongside and help us and guide us and remind us of the love of God. Barnabas's actions demonstrated clearly that he is one who loves God and will do what he needs to in order to further the kingdom. We saw that the very last part of that passage. He went and he sold his land, and there doesn't seem to be any second guessing as to what he needs to do. He just seems to do it. It's just a heart issue. We don't know much more than that. We don't know if he was a man of wealth who gave out of an abundance or if he gave out of great sacrifice. But we do know that it was a significant gift that he gave. He sold his Mm -hmm. land to bring the finances to work in the ministry to get it started. Um, Barnabas easily could have as illustrated by Ananias and his wife in the next chapter, if you were to go on and to read chapter five, he could have totally pretended to give away and instead lie about it and still present them before the apostle, right? He didn't have to say this was everything. Or, but here's the truth of it. Um, who, who would really know? But we all know other people who watch us, right? People who see, and they know us. People who know us, and they know our hearts and what's behind it. Um, there's Deception and dishonesty are easy to do. And they're not the evidence of a not so with you heart of God.
0: Yeah.
1: So Trent, you know, kind of that deception um, story behind that. We see Ananias and his wife that were a little trying to get under the belt a little bit. Yeah. Do you have? Can you think of any yeah. stories?
0: I think that that uh, the placement of those two stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a chapter break there, and it says Ananias and Sapphira, semi, and Sapphira in my NIV. It, those chapters weren't in there when the when the the gospel of, or, or when the book of Acts was, was mm-hmm. written. This was just a history of the church. And the proximity from Barnabas' story to Ananias and Sapphira is not a mistake. And yep. there shouldn't be a chapter. Break. This, is, this, is a, this is a definite contrast. We have the story of Barnabas who shows yeah. up on the scene it's and getting. just gives sacrificially. Mm-hmm. And then we have Ananias and Sapphira who sold, it, it probably saw Barnabas and was like, wow, look, Barnabas got attention, and yeah. and what a faithful, let's do that too. Oh, but what about our oh, 401k, right. and we we're going to go <laughs> yep. to Judea on that, right. or, or you know, we we're going to travel, the kids need college yeah. funds. Um, let's just Not hold back a little bit of of what, and, and then, you, then you have the result in Acts chapter 5. Um, so clearly there's some... There's some contrasting going oh, on there if you read it, but a lot of times we kind of just pick up Ananias and Sapphira as this lesson that stands on its own. It's not. It's certainly right. written in contrast to, to just the sacrifice of Barnabas uh-huh. compared to the deception of, of Ananias and Sapphira. I was trying to think of a, of a story in which <laughs> there was some deception. I have a friend who um, does not like roller coasters, okay, um, and it goes back to an early childhood thing. He Aww. thinks he was four or five or six, but his dad had encouraged him on the to go on this this roller coaster, and he gets on the roller coaster, and it's twisting and turning, and he's holding on to the bar, and he's, "Dad, you lied to me. This isn't <laughs> fun at all." And, and he finally, but he just doesn't go on roller coasters. So um, anyway, sure. it, it was kind of fun. I. Funny to, to talk to him about it because it was just this, you know, his dad had worked so hard to tell him it was going to be fun. I kind of replayed this in my own life with one of my sons who we went up to, to Silverwood and they have the old rickety wooden one and we climbed on and I had encouraged a son of mine who I may or may not name as Aiden um, and I, I, this is going to be a lot of fun and we closed that bar and the bar is like an inch to an inch and a half from his chin and I'm like, Oh no and we get up on this rickety and he's <laughs> going like and his chin is hitting that bar every time we go over one of the I put my hand under his chin and behind his head and it was ima- I mean, he he was not my friend for a while afterwards. Um, but I just got to replay that story in my old own life, though as the father, not as the child. But I mean roller coasters are supposed to be fun, right? They're supposed and, to be. He, he, he you just might have felt de- like
1: did you destroy he his roller coaster, uh, uh he, he's, process? He's, he's, he's good
0: he's gotten back into a few of them, okay. but he doesn't trust me and my recommendation of roller coasters <laughs> anymore so
1: well, well, interesting you say that that does bring to mind that deception can be really hurtful, not necessarily you know in a bigger way if we were to take a, a bigger thought or story. Deception no. can be really hurtful, yeah. To somebody, so um, thankfully the grace of God was upon uh, was upon you guys at the roller coaster, um, and the grace of God was also upon Barnabas, and it did not go unnoticed by his colleagues. They saw his heart. Barnabas almost sounds like the good guy next door who never does wrong, right? But you know, we'll see later that he can be pretty set in his way as well. Um, But the next time we see Barnabas is in Acts chapter 9. It is quite a while later. The gospel has gone to Samaria with success, and it's on its way to Ethiopia with the newly baptized Ethiopian eunuch. And there's been a lot of persecution that has scattered most of the believers out of Jerusalem. And chapter 9 begins with this. Meanwhile... Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. (laughs) And yet, okay, here's this man's story. Y'all kind of know his story, but if not, he goes on to tell the great story of how Saul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's blinded. He meets Ananias, a different Ananias, by the way, and has his sight restored, is baptized, and once again... He begins to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, this is the man who was persecuting Christians for it. And he has his transformation, and now he is out and he is preaching about him. It's a very quick transformation, I think. Um, I don't know if we see those transformations as fast as we read this one. But regardless, here's a man that participated in the killing of believers. He has that personal testimony from his past that is unthinkable and dramatically transformed by jesus himself Mm -hmm. and he's supporting and he's preaching about him and why why is that what's the big deal god used his story from his past for a purpose into the kingdom of god the lord says this man is the agent i have chosen to carry my name before gentiles Kings and Israelites. Wow, <laughs> that's quite a story. Um, but as some of us may have experienced, our past sometimes follows us, even when we do all that we can to change it for the better. And Saul's past followed him. Those murderous threats, which were not idle threats, by the way, for he personally had seen them carried out before, um, one of them when Stephen was stoned to death. Mm-hmm. And those same threats are now threats on his very own back. You know, and it makes perfect sense for others who know Saul's past would have a right to be very skeptical. You would have a right to be cautious, most of us in that situation would expect this was just a trick of Saul's to try to infiltrate the believing community.
0: Yeah, and I really think Saul's one of those examples where. It'd be really easy to just leave Saul over in that box. Mm-hmm. Like he is one who is against us. He has fought us. We've heard stories about him. They didn't have yeah. the internet or America's most wanted, Israel's <laughs> most wanted. Um, but as far as the believers were concerned, Saul was a threat. Saul, yeah. and, and they knew, and, and people saw him showing up. Start starting with. Um Damascus mm-hmm. preaching there at the synagogues, and then yeah. it says he came to Jerusalem. Yeah. Everybody that followed Jesus in Jerusalem was put on high alert. Saul is back in town. I think I saw him, and there was no mistake about what Saul was going to do, and mm-hmm. I mean, he had been sent with permission from the leaders in Jerusalem yeah. to persecute those who were following jesus and so uh, but. But I think Saul really represents in this story someone who got put in that box and it was tough for Saul to break out and i and I don't blame the <laughs> the believers, those who were trying right. to follow Jesus for being scared mm-hmm. um and, and not I mean they wouldn't have known the transformation story wouldn't have known that he would have gone right. blind, be like, yeah, right, you went blind, and now you can see, and now you want to talk to me about Jesus, Come yeah. on, give me a break. you're trying to get me in the same room so uh-huh. the guards can rush in and I can get get." Arrested. But, you know, what's our normal human reaction to that kind of drastic change? Like, I mean, I, from, I tend to be a bit of a skeptic, you know, in that, like, could somebody really transform their life? And, and why is that so common for people to, to just be like, no, people just don't change like that?
1: I think that's a very common reaction. I think, for one, like you had said, the unknown aspect of it. But I believe, in addition to that pain and, and grief, and hurt um, can cause some of those things to react too. Based on our own personal experience, we see somebody coming in and we're hearing all these stories, and because of our own story, we might react that certain way. I think it's a natural response to turn away from someone who has directly impacted us or a group of people very negatively, right? Yeah. Um, but I've been, I wanted to kind of present this in a little different format, if you will, I want to, I've been reading a book called The Followers, and it gives a story that goes a bit into the minds of these individuals, one of them being Barnabas, and talks Mm -hmm. about Saul as one that he um, works with, and I'm one for always looking out for the things from a different angle, right, Um, and I want you to listen to this to see perhaps a bit of Saul's heart, all right, from, from the other side of things, if you will. Um, And Scripture doesn't, of course, tell us, you know, this, but if you could imagine, the apostles are being in a meeting room together, a small few due to the others being dispersed out of the city and abroad. And things were comfortable due to the pooling of their resources and the ragtag collection of chairs and, and tables sitting there. And there sits Peter and James, and they're starting to exchange glances back and forth with a sense of uneasiness, right? They'd been meeting this way, but now this was all new. There was something new. Saul was in the room, and he was leaning against a chair with confidence, even though he was leading the charge against them a few years ago and now was sent in front of them. And as Saul is sharing, Peter remembers the phrase and the words of Stephen before he died. Oh, I see heaven wide open and the son of man standing at God's side. And all of that starts to come back um, to Mm. Peter in the midst of this room, right? And Barnabas is just on the other side watching, and he's wondering what Peter and the others will do. And he doesn't say anything. And Peter abruptly gets up, and the others follow. And the room is left with just Barnabas and Saul. And Saul, he turns to Barnabas, and he says, They don't believe me. And Barnabas is like, Should they? You know? and Barnab- uh, Saul says, I can only tell you what happened to me. I can only say what changed my life. Hmm. And Barnabas, what does he do? He goes and he grabs some bread and drinks and he comes back again and he begins to talk with him. You know, Barnabas took the time to sit with him again, to listen, perhaps to do some teaching and definitely some encouraging because that's who he was. Um, Like I said, I believe those pains and things, the reason why we turn away from people with those stories is perhaps some of our own story Mm -hmm. itself plays into that. Um, Because Barnabas is a risk taker, right? He could have walked out with the others in this scenario, but he puts absolutely everything on the line here. His very life is on the line of Saul really is going, is faking it. He's in trouble. His reputation in the church is on the line if he brings Saul back to the other disciples and Saul is still intent on killing them all. His relationship with the other disciples are on the line as he takes action that they oppose. But obviously Barnabas went and he listened to Saul and it is Barnabas who tells the other disciples Saul's story. He investigated. He gave Saul a hearing, if you will, and undoubtedly listen to the Holy Spirit in him, affirming the truth. Barnabas, the one who has been gifted with the heart of listening and encouraging, speaks to the apostles. I don't think this was a very easy conversation that he was having with him. right? Yeah. But, you know, they have known Barnabas, and they trust Barnabas. Um, but I also want to flip it. It took Saul also, the initiative, and trust and faith, to even step into that, knowing his own story and what others might come with that. That took some initiative on his part.
0: Yeah, I, I really admire people like Barnabas, people who have that intuitive nature to, mm-hmm. to, to listen, to want to hear people's stories and to, to take that risk, to, to even give Saul a hearing after all that Saul had done, after, you know, yeah. I, I confess that sometimes... I, I, I'm just not that intuitive, like maybe I'm a little dense, I don't know. But um, just to, to, to see into Saul's heart and to see into uh, his life the evidence of, of this transformation. Um, yeah. and, and I, I just I need people like that around me to, right. to remind me that our stories aren't, our, our paths are not set, our, our stories are not cast in stone, but, right. but God can transform us um, yes, he can. And, and in that moment. We need, sometimes we need an advocate. Barnabas was able to be that advocate in, in this Absolutely. story in Acts chapter 9.
1: Yeah, it creates, it, it's a challenge, and, it, and it's yeah. not always easy, yeah. right?
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for affirming me in that.
1: <laughs> Affirm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. But Saul ends up staying with the disciples in Jerusalem for a short while. They begin to talk mm. and listen, and perhaps they, the apostles, are starting to see that transformation that Barnabas was talking about, right? The well, trip. isn't dialogue
0: yeah. so, I'm sorry, I'm cutting no, off again. Yeah, isn't good, dialogue so important, though, like to see the heart of another person, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and that's why life groups are so important. Yeah. So we, you know, we, Sunday school classes. Oh, good uh, plug uh, um, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but our, uh, those moments where we get to sit around the table, whether mm-hmm. there's a table there or not, sit around in a circle and to share are those moments where we begin to see the hearts of yeah. one another. Um, and man it's 2022 and our lives are busy and we've got so much to do and basketball is ending and baseball is starting I, I know that the schedules get crazy, but the importance of having having that group of people to just share life with and yeah. to have those conversations um, that's where it happens that's where you're able to see into the lives of and it doesn't
1: take people. long no you know no, over no. a cup of coffee you know have those no. conversations. No. Um, but in the midst of those conversations, right, there's that trust factor. Um, right. And that trust factor might be slow, and, but I think here it's starting to build up with the apostles. Um, but then things get really dangerous again, and Saul leaves and goes to his hometown in Tarsus, and quite a long distance away, where he lives for another six or seven years. Um, but in the midst of that, there's another young man that Barnabas encouraged and his name, as we know, is John Mark. And you mentioned him earlier, the author of the Gospel of Mark, according to most scholars. Um, fast forward into time, and we see Barnabas and Saul, okay. Now, Saul is getting ready to go on the first mission trip, and this is in chapter 13. And along with them are several, all right, as well as Mark. But according to Acts 13, 13 John Mark, Barnabas's cousin as well, a whole family circus here, <laughs> um, left them to return to Jerusalem. Now, it doesn't sound like there was any discussion or talking from Mark uh, with Barnabas and Paul. It sounds like he just kind of got up and left. I don't know, but that's kind of how I see it. Um, maybe he just skedaddled back for whatever reason, whether he was afraid or, I don't know, his mom. <laughs> I don't know, something something happened. His mom called him. I don't know. Whatever reason, he went back. But that's not a really good character reference, all right? teams, if you're listening to this, if you're ever with a boss or what, go talk to him. Don't just leave without letting them know, okay? Go speak to them. No ghosting. Um, yeah, it doesn't leave a good um, accountability, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what... Um, Paul at this point um, and Barnabas, they were counting on each other and all these people going off and doing mission work. It was accountability. And I get it. (laughs) As a leader, you want people to be honest um, or at least talk with you about what is happening. Otherwise, it goes very easily to some sort of suspicion or their own story as to what is happening, right? We've talked a little bit about that. And when Paul and Barnabas were ready to make a second mission trip, Mark became a source of contention again. Um, It's in 15. Barnabas, the encourager, as he was, wanted to give his young cousin a second chance, but Paul refused. You know, what's going on here? We have Paul who has his story, could relate to it, um, but Paul is still upset years later, right? And about, he's upset about it and refuses to take Mark along. Um, There's a grudge that's still there. Have you heard this phrase, if a man deceives me once, it is his fault, but if twice, it is my own for trusting him? That is where Paul is at, I believe. It's that trust issue. And Barnabas, the encourager, maybe knowing his cousin a little bit more, maybe I'm sure he, I would imagine he had conversations over those years as being family. Um, or just him being himself wanted to give him a second chance to grow and learn. So he took Mark and he sailed for Cyprus as Paul um, ended up getting Silas and they went the other opposite way. Now, people who work together, all right, and this is nothing with, with Trent and I, I think <laughs> Trent and I and Val were, I, and Lisa, we're all good. We, we have good relationships, but those good relationships, we don't always agree on everything all the time, right? And both of these men, Paul and Barnabas, had their reasons and they couldn't concur other than to give it to the grace of God to work upon them both in their endeavors. And as we know reading later in scripture, things worked out pretty well, right? Things worked for all of them. Things did good. Um, But due to the encouragement of Barnabas, Mark was redeemed, and he became a valuable ally once again to Paul later in his ministry. There was reconciliation there. They went back and they talked, apparently. There are testimonies in the other books showing the grace of God working through all people. We can see Moses, Samson, Jonah, Peter, Mark, all receive these second chances by God himself.
0: Yeah, and I think about, like, what would have happened if, if they had tried to live with this kind of disunity and gone on that second missionary mm-hmm. trip? Like, what, would Paul's impact have been lessened? Because right. he's got this a thorn in his flesh almost like yeah. and th- in, in this instance it seems that Paul and Silas heading off to there uh, on that second missionary journey and then um you know Barnabas and John Mark had heading, heading over this other direction mm-hmm. allowed the space for God to to work within them both there's something about mistrust and human dynamics yeah. that I think can stifle the work that God calls us to right yeah. um and so but I but I think that the the generosity of Barnabas and whether it was influenced by a, a family relationship or not, I'm not sure. But, right. um, you know, maybe his mom, like you said, <laughs> give him another chance. Um, thanks, Mom. Uh, <laughs> but I, I admire Barnabas for, for taking him under his wing and, and being the one who was reliable but willing to part ways with, with Paul and the mm-hmm. plan to go see what Paul was doing so that he could, could travel Mm-hmm. Could travel with, with John Mark. But, you know, I, I wonder what are some of those practical ways that we can model our lives after Barnabas, you know, live that way um, yeah. in, in our lives with the people around us.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think just one of the examples that Barnabas sets, he took a risk. Mm-hmm. So we might yeah. have to take a risk. Um, listening, opening ourselves up with your story. If the opportunity arises, perhaps somebody mm-hmm. you see is you're like, okay, I understand where they're coming from. I have a glimpse of that story, and you're able to to talk about that. But I think first, before all of that, what is rooted is God himself. We can't be encouragers in our own strength. God is the source of all encouragement. The word encouragement in the New Testament is also the word for comfort. Hmm. And indeed, the two terms are interchangeable. To encourage is to comfort, and to comfort is to encourage. There's no true comfort or encouragement apart from God himself. Um, And I believe it is the exact same thing we saw many years earlier when Barnabas was the only one willing to take a risk on Paul. Now Barnabas wants to take a risk on somebody else. Hmm. He wants to give another person another chance. And he believes so strongly in giving Mark another chance that he parts ways with the man that, like you said, who was brought into ministry with him, who he mentored, um, who he journeyed with, he'd been persecuted with, he celebrated with, they part company because Barnabas wants to, again, take a chance on someone else. I think uh, 2 Corinthians 1 is a good reminder, uh, verses 3 through 7 says, God is the father of compassion and source of all comfort or encouragement. He comforts or encourages us in all of our troubles so that by the power of his Holy Spirit, we then may comfort or encourage those in any trouble with the comfort or encouragement we ourselves have received from God. So often today in the church, the ministry of Barnabas is weak um, Mm. or it's not. It's non-existent. We don't have
0: enough Barnabas.
1: We don't. We don't extend out enough second chances. Mm. And I don't want to be that person or that church that God wants to do a transformation in and hinder that growth. Great stories come from second chances, you know. And it's so easy to get caught up in our own stories that we miss out on the potential of someone else's story of success. No encouragement, no involvement, no transformation, no seeing the empowerment work of the Holy Spirit. Um, Oswald Chambers in his studies in the Sermon on the Mount reminds us anyone who is continually criticized becomes good for nothing. The effect of criticism knocks all the gumption and power out of any individual. We need encouragement. We don't need to be the one pounding the, the negative into somebody because they begin to believe that in their minds that that's all that they are and that's all that they are worth. And God says otherwise. Barnabas is a not-so-with-you character that I hope to follow for myself as an example and never being too critical and not allowing the grace of God to work and shine within any person. And I hope, if anything, we're able to find encouragement in God and in his word. Um, Amen. So I believe, you know, the not so with you. Barnabas stands out as someone who goes beyond the norm. He looks and he hears people's hearts. He sees the potential and what could be. And we all have good within us, right? Despite our past. And I believe God wants to do a good thing with that. The worship team would go ahead and come on up. When we are willing to believe that god can give second chances and we act on that belief it's going to impact a lot more people than just the one who needs the second chance so therefore let's go i hope today that whether it was through the music or through our conversation that you know that God will meet you right where you are at, regardless of your story, and God can work within your heart and begin that transformation, and we can be not so with you and rise above. So as we go before the benediction, if you would please extend your hands out if you're able to receive this. Go from here as witnesses of what you have seen and heard. Share God's love with those you meet bring hope and may the grace of God move through you to extend second chances for the ongoing work of the kingdom of God. Go in peace.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.